Blog Talk Radio. City. Again, thank you for joining us this evening, Sunday, July 26, 2014. It's really a pleasure again to have you with us. And as I do always, we begin by paying homage and, and giving our um, uh, acknowledgement to the One Most High, to our ancestors, uh, to my lovely wife, to my uh, mother-in-law, to all of my siblings, especially my younger sister, who's um, going through a healing process uh, to all of you, all of my uh, cyber world friends and my immediate friends that I've known throughout the years. Uh, I bid the welcome and I appreciate you all. I um, must also say that uh, today is is uh, a, a very interesting day in, in that um, my wife and I both have been having a, a wonderful time uh, just being in the state of appreciation, uh, being in the state of love and and um, and and truth, and and that's one of the reasons why I chose. Uh, 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 yeah, I said July earlier. It's January twenty sixth. That was a Freudian slip. Maybe it's because it's so cold, and I'm I'm looking for July to come <laughs> to come into uh, existence, and that won't be too long. As time moves very fast as of late. Uh, as we get older and busier, it seems as if time moves fast, uh, unlike when we were youngsters. But uh, again, uh, that doesn't um, uh, not allow us to always be in touch with the child within. And, and that's something, uh, again, that uh, no, um, uh, there are no accidents, and, and that's uh, a, a reality of the soul that our soul is for everlasting uh, from uh, incarnation into the next incarnation for those of us who share that belief. As a matter of fact, I found out that there was a statistic that over one billion people in the world share the belief in, uh, in reincarnation, that the soul is for everlasting, that uh, indeed uh, as we move from uh, uh, birth to death, uh, that that's repeated time and time again, thousands upon thousands of times, until we no longer return to this earth school. Um, and there are so many uh, religions and spiritual orientations that substantiate this particular concept and belief, whether one is um, Christian, Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, um, whatever your orientation may be, uh, there is some aspect in a mystical level where that is a reality by many of us who share that same uh, belief. So 
this evening's book that we're that we're covering uh, and reviewing, "The Seed of the Soul" by Gary Zukoff, who's also the author of the Dancing Wu Lai Masters, um, is something that has been a number one bestseller uh, in the New York Times for many years uh, before it got off the list. But it's something that's always in the front of uh, the display of uh, bookstores in the area of not just new age, but in spiritual awareness of kind. It's also a book that was reviewed by a Dr. Brian Wise, uh, the chairman of psychiatry at Mount Sinai Medical Center, uh, and, and the author of Many Lives, Many Masters. Uh, at one time, he was an agnostic, as it were, and, and became a believer in the concept of reincarnation. So we only have a half an hour this evening to review, uh, to start the review of the, of the book, uh, The Seed of the Soul. And on the, in the next few weeks, we will be re- reviewing it and different aspects dealing with evolution, karma, uh, reverence of the heart, intuition, light, intention, making choices and something that I'm sure many of you would be interested in, and that is the concept of addiction and relationships. So uh, and let us start off by uh, saying that, indeed, the seed of the soul is about the birth of a new type of a species, as it were, amongst us. We, many of you have heard of uh, the concept of crystal children, uh, 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 and various types of classifications of souls that are uh, coming into into birth who have uh, uh, displayed a consciousness of high development and high sensitivity. Um, we also have the expression indigo children, violet children. And uh, this is basically an explosion of a human perception that deals with the, the past, uh, lives as well as understanding the aspect of the five senses, going beyond the five senses. It's about the values of the soul uh, relative to harmony, cooperation, sharing, and, and reverence for life. And it's also about authentic power as opposed to inauthentic power and the alignment of the personality with the soul. So it's about non-physical guides, non-physical teachers, which uh, many people from the indigenous communities around the world are very clear about that. And that's why they seem to be in a state of more reverence than those of us who are supposed to be, quote-unquote, in the civilized world. So to start off, Wayne Dyer, or Gary Zukov, rather, starts to say that he came to understand that what motivated the men uh, in his time of his awareness of, of uh, beyond the five senses is that there were mystics, and they would not use such language, but they knew the fact that indeed uh, that they feared that their careers might become contaminated by association for those who did not work with the scientific model of understanding and awareness. But in the depth of their thoughts, they each saw much uh, too much to be limited by the five senses. And, and their works 
contribute not only to the evolution of psychology and linguistics and physics, but also to the evolution of those who read books that are published by them. And they had the capacity and the capability to change those who touch them in ways that also cannot be expressed directly in terms of psychology or linguistics or physics, for that matter. I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge my wife just walked into the studio. How are you doing, hon? I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Uh, I'm really excited about uh, sharing with the listening audience uh, the aspects of this, uh, this great book, interesting book titled The Seed of the Soul by Gary Zukov. Well, I love this book. You had introduced it to me years ago. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've been talking to people about it. it. It raises, you know, it helps you to raise your consciousness and your vibration. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that, uh, I forgot that I introduced you to yeah, it. Yeah, because uh, when, when we met each other, we found out that we had so many books of the same uh, uh, authors and so forth. And, we sure did. Right? But this, this <laughs> one, though, you had um, told me about. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yes. So, uh, yeah, Gary uh, was interviewed by Oprah Winfrey uh, when I first learned about him. And, uh, you know, I just really. Uh, referred to him so many times during the course of, of my life in terms of just understanding the aspect of, of the soul. Um, he states how that uh, the perception, perception of the physical world is limited to the five-century modality and the basis of life in the physical area becomes sphere, and that power to control the environment and those within the environment appears to be the essential uh, pursuit of most people. Uh, at least up until recent. And the need for physical dominance produces a type of competition that affects every aspect of our lives. I can just even revert to how in recent past uh, I would meet people, and my wife and I talk about this occasionally, those who immediately upon meeting them, they find it necessary to establish a sense of power. And one of those ways of establishing that power is by invading your space. Yes. by touching you and holding your hand longer than a usual handshake should happen, placing their hands on your shoulder, you know, looking down on you in a, in a condescending manner, speaking to you condescendingly and so forth, and having this superiority uh, type of uh, presence and, and, and dominance, which they try to actually, you know, dominate you in various ways through body language as well as through their linguistics and to change with you. And if one is not uh, prepared uh, for that type of engagement, that type of social intercourse, one can feel somewhat disempowered. One can feel threatened. One can feel insulted and take, take it very personally. And, of course, those of you who have listened to shows that I've aired in the past know that I've featured uh, the book titled The Four Agreements by uh, Don Miguel Ruiz. And he states in that book, The Four Agreements, uh, the agreements being don't take anything personal, do your best, don't make assumptions, and um, what is the other one? Uh, don't, make, don't make assumptions, don't take anything personal, do your best. And the fourth one is, hmm, I'll get back to that. But anyway, don't take anything personal is what we're talking about. And, and that's something that's key in terms of how we interact with one another and understand 
that uh, um, many of us become disempowered because we take things personal. When people call us names, assume that they know who we are and so forth. So uh, that's something to always be mindful of uh, and to always uh, strive to understand being in a state of empathy for the people that you that you run into uh, who have that particular type of mindset. So uh, Gary talks on, going back, those of you who can remember uh, Lee Harvey Oswald and the assassination of John Kennedy. Uh, oh, yes, the, the, the other uh, agreement is having impeccable speech. So being careful with what you're saying. Thank you, honey, for sharing that. <laughs> um, the the thing that we have to understand is that throughout each of our lives, we've had the example of how individuals have attempted to exercise power and dominance over us, and then we know that in the world view that that has been enacted uh, upon countries, upon other countries, uh, that same energy that sentenced warships to the Persian Gulf, sending soldiers to Vietnam, uh, and now recently Afghanistan and Iraq, and the Crusaders to, Pat to Palestine, uh, the energy that separated the family of Romeo from the family of Juliet is the same energy that separates the racial family of the black husband and the racial family of the white wife. Uh, the energy that set Lee Harvey Oswald against John Kennedy is the same energy that set Cain against Abel and brothers and sisters quarrel for the same reason that corporations quarrel is that they seek power over one another. And the power to control the environment and those within it is the power over what can be felt, smelled, tasted, and heard or seen. And this type of power is an external power. An external power, of, he states, can be acquired, if not lost, as in the stock market and also as with an election. It can also be bought or stolen, transferred or inherited, and it is thought of us as something that can be gotten from someone else or somewhere else. So, indeed, one person's gain or external power is perceived as another person's loss. And the result of seeing power as external is violence and destruction. And virtually all of our institutions, whether they be social, economic, and political, reflect our understanding of power as being external. And families like cultures are patriarchal or matriarchal, and one person wears the pants, as they say. And our children learn this early on in life, and subsequently it shapes their lives. So we have police departments like the military, which are produced by the perception of power as being external. Thusly, the badge, boots, rank, radio, uniform, weapons, and armor are symbols of fear. And those who wear them are supposed to be feared. And they fear to engage the world without defenses. And those who encounter these symbolic symbols are fearful. And also they fear the power that these symbols represent. Or they feel those whom they expect this power to contain, or they fear both of them. 
So the police and the military, like patriarchal and matriarchal families and cultures, are not origins of the perception of power as external. They are reflections of the way that we, as a species and as individuals, have come to view power. And uh, the perception of power is, ex is external, which has shaped our economics and the ability to control economics within communities and within nations and the ability to control the transitional economy of the world as concentrated in the hands of a few people. And I know myself as an a elder African-American man living here in New York City, that I have many associates and, and uh, people who are in my life and some friends, distant friends, I might say, who are in positions of power, perceived power. And uh, I'm also a musician. I play uh, African drums, jazz drums. I play a, a few instruments. I'm not professional in all of them, but I can get, you know, some tunes out of them and so forth. And my wife as well is a music teacher. But we find that in all of these arenas that there's this game that people play in terms of exercising power, people who are really not authentic, as it were. I, I recently was hired to play in, in, at a performance by someone who didn't pay me Immediately after the end of the performance, I called him up a week later, reminded him that, uh, you know, you, you didn't pay me. And he said, oh, I just so forgot about that. It wasn't purposely undone, and I will pay you. And then the person sent a, a message to on Facebook stating that, um, you know, they didn't have the money, and, and the budget didn't allow it for him to pay everyone. And, uh, you know, to me, that was being dishonest, and that was ex exercising a certain amount of inauthentic power, as it were. Uh, we have that done time and time again, especially those who are closest to us, our siblings, our, our parents at times, and, 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 and then those of us who have the fortune to have friends who may somehow or other disrespect our friendship by making promises making commitments and not following through. And, of course, we are all not perfect. We all have our deficiencies and, and things that we have to work on. Uh, but the thing is, I guess, is to be honest and to try to be as authentic as possible. And one of that is involving with, number one, apologizing to those people who you hurt, who you do wrong to, acknowledging it, having an adult conversation about it, and then doing your best to correct it so that you don't incur negative karma, which is another chapter that we will be reviewing in the coming weeks um, uh, as we review the seed of the soul. So money is a symbol of external power, Gary goes on to say. And he says that those who have the most money have the most ability to control their environment and those within it, while those who have the least money have the least ability to control their environment and those within it. So money is acquired, lost, stolen, inherited, and fought for. Education, social status, fame, and things that are owned, if we derive a sense of increased security from them, are symbols of external power. Anything we fear to lose, a home, a car, an attractive body, an agile mind, a deep belief is a symbol of external power. And what we fear is an increase 
in our vulnerability. This results from seeing power as external. And when power is seen as external, the hierarchies of our social, economic, and political structures, as well as the hierarchies of the universe, appear as indicators of who has power and who does not. So those at the top appear to have the most power and therefore to be the most viable and least vulnerable. And those at the bottom appear to be the least powerful and therefore to be the least viable and the most vulnerable. And from this perception, unfortunately, the general is, no, is more valuable than the private in the army. The executive is more viable than the chauffeur. The doctor is more viable than the receptionist. The parent is more viable than the child. And the divine is more viable than the worshiper. But once we begin to realize that, indeed, we have God, the godliness is within us, that God is, that God, that essence of the most divine resides within us. However, just like the flame of a candle is not as great as the, uh, the sun, the totality of the sun, a, a, a thimble, a cup of water, of ocean water, is not as great and grand as the ocean itself, but it still has all the properties. It has the essence, as it were. So we have to understand that there's this connection. And also, I'm, if I may deviate from what I'm reading right now, is that we all are interdependent upon one another, and we all are intertwined. All seven billion of us on this planet, school called Earth, are interdependent and intertwined. And as I was witnessing a show on, on Ophir earlier this morning, uh, it was called the, uh, uh, the Super Soul Sunday. The person that was interviewed was talking about how uh, if we change ourselves and if we resonate within ourselves the essence of who we are as soul beings as opposed to human beings only, that we're humans who are having a spiritual experience, once we improve, once we uh, heal ourselves, then indeed that has an effect upon hundreds of, not hundreds of thousands, if not millions of other people, of other souls, of other beings. So it says a lot in terms of us, all of us having the capacity to be teachers as well as to be humble enough to be students. Um, so Gary goes on to say that indeed uh, competition for external power lies at the heart of all violence. And the secondary gain behind ideological conflicts such as capitalism versus communism and religious conflicts such as the Irish Catholics versus the Irish Protestants, uh, those of us who are of African descent are very cognizant and aware of the fact that there are many African tribes and nations who fight against one another and not because of any outside force, whether it be from European or Europe or the United States or whatever other country you may call Portugal, uh, China, uh, India, whatever country that you would want to blame for that, is this, this inherent the, uh, a fact that 
from what I've learned from reading books such as African Genesis, uh, that there's this territorial imperative where a species uh, challenges the other species to maintain territory for survival. And, and, and that is manifest and using, uh, misusing power, as it were. So we have that within our own, in, in, you know, intrinsic family, as it were, where as siblings, brothers and sisters, fighting each other for power, fighting each other to have the more love from their parents, from the father, from the mother. And that's also impacted to whether or not you're firstborn or lastborn within the family structure in terms of the children. All of these are dynamics which actually uh, manifest in terms of uh, authentic or inauthentic power, as it were. So the perception of power is ex as external splinters, uh, it, it actually splinters the psyche, where there is the psyche of the individual, the community, the nation, are indeed the world. There is no difference between acute schizophrenia and a world at war. There is no difference between the agony of a splintered soul and the agony of a splintered nation. So when a husband and a wife compete for power, they engage in the same dynamic that humans of one race do when they fear humans of another race. And from these dynamics, we have formed our present understanding of evolution as a process of ever-increasing ability to dominate the environment with each other. And this definition reflects the limitations of perceiving the physical world with only five senses. It reflects the, the, the competition for external power that is generated by fear. So I want to just take a break here to mention that, uh, indeed, um, fear is something that we really have to contemplate. And those of you who are in the chat room, please feel free to share your, your thoughts. Uh, and, of course, any of you that call, if you'd like to share your thoughts and comments, please press the number one button. And I would be definitely uh, glad to, uh, to share dialogue with you about this particular um, the subject matter. Gary goes on to state that uh, after the millennia of brutality to one another, individual to individual and group to group, it is now clear that the insecurity which underlies the perception of power as external cannot be heralded or healed by the accumulation of external power. It is evident for all to see, not only with each newscast and evening paper, but also through each of our countless sufferings as individuals and as a species, that the perception of power as external brings only pain, violence, and destruction. And this is how we have evolved up until now, until present. And this is what we are leaving behind, God willing. Our deeper understanding leads us to another kind of power, a power that loves life in every form that, is, that it appears a power that does not judge what it encounters, a power that perceives meaningfulness and purpose in the smallest details upon the earth. This is authentic power. So when we align our thoughts, emotions, and actions with the highest part of ourselves, we are filled with enthusiasm, purpose, and meaning. 
Life is rich and full, and we have no thoughts of bitterness. We have no memory of fear. We are joyously and intimately engaged with our world. And this is the experience of authentic power. Authentic power has its roots in the deepest source of our beings. Authentic power cannot be bought, inherited, or hoarded. An authentically empowered person is incapable of making anyone or anything a victim. An authentically empowered person is one who is strong, so empowered that the idea of using force against another is not part of his or her consciousness. And that's what we're striving for in our communities, is for those of us to really understand what authentic power is and to take an inventory of how you exude power towards your loved ones, to those in to your friends and those in your immediate community. So we're going to now end at this point. I want to thank you so much for tuning in this evening. Please feel free to visit my website at www.drumsofchange.com. Again, that's drumsofchange.com. And at that uh, site, we have a bookstore where you can purchase The Seed of the Soul and other books that I review on my show. And, of course, drums are being sold at the site at very um, reasonable price points, and I encourage you to spread the word. So, again, I end, as I always begin, by paying homage to the one most high, God, that indeed we remain humbled and blessed and grateful for the blessings of the Most High, for our ancestors, for my beloved mother-in-law, my dear wife, for all of my siblings, all of my friends in my life through the cyber world and through my immediate uh, uh, environment, my community, I send love and blessings to all of you. Shalom, assalamu alaikum, hetepu, all my relations. May all things be of blessings to you, and may this week be one of prosperity and joy and love. Peace and love to everyone. Until next week.